Isaiah chapter 6. The title of this message, if you looked in your bulletin, is Here Am I, Send My Grandmother. Uh, They used to be, here am I, send my sister. It's a man's prayer. So we have two women on the mission field for every man. So I guess God heard their prayers and his great sense of humor. But we certainly need more men in global missions. Uh, My little globe has got a leak, so I'm going to hold it up while it's still in good shape. (laughs) And just quote that great verse from Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. That's the Lord's final word before he went to heaven. And surely that is for everyone. And it's a great mistake at a missions conference if we think this challenge is for a particular group of people, those who are missionaries like we just heard from or people who are thinking about it. Missions is for everyone. Metropolitan New York area where you live, where I once lived, is surely one of the greatest mission fields in the world. We send people to the Arabian Peninsula. OM is one of the main groups where it's very difficult to even witness to the the actual uh, members of those countries. You can witness to expatriates. You hear about all the churches in Dubai? They're all Filipino churches, Indian churches. I've ministered into them many times. I'm there in two weeks again. I know of no church in Dubai after all the years of working among Dubai citizens. There are some believers. So those countries are very difficult. And yet all those people live in this area, uh, of course, in London where I live as well, and are much easier to share with them. I'm not saying always easy. You have a great variety of people. As you push doors, God will open doors. Sometimes doors are closed. So that verse, I think, is so relevant, together with other verses we're going to look at. And the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. 25% of all the doctors in America are Indians. Uh, only a tiny percentage of those are followers of Jesus. But can you think of the potential of some of these Brahmins uh, who have discriminated against the Dalits and those living in America are not even aware of it because they've transplanted to this culture. To reach those people right here in this country is a huge challenge. A majority, of course, are Hindus, but there are also many Indian Muslims too. Almost 200 million Muslims in India are a minority group in India. Does that give you something of the, the range of the task? And if we had time to go and talk about countries, there's about 40 nations. You can get them on my website, georgeforward.com. About 40 nations that would have less than 2% of the witness that we have here in Bergen County. By the way, I was the owner at 16 years of age of the Bergen County Sales Corporation. Doesn't that sound big? You know, I registered in Hackensack. I was selling the most Twinkie fire extinguisher, but a lot of people bought them before it was shown to be toxic. And that was was my, uh, my company. By the way, for those that missed my testimony, just in a nutshell, I wasn't from a Christian home, but I was one happy New Jersey kid. My main thing was girls, sports, money. Uh, fun, 
what happened to Palisades Park? Who in the world tore that down? And that's where I took my girlfriend and kissed her in the tunnel. But uh, somehow life was just, uh, I had good parents. They weren't believers, but I think they had Christian values. They wanted the best. My father was a great father. Uh, not easy battling his way through the Depression. But everything changed because a woman of God, and if you want to live a selfish life, you know, beware of these women of God. They've infiltrated society. And uh, she put my name on her Holy Ghost hit list and not only prayed, uh, she was right across the street, not from my house at Wyckoff, but from Ramsey. I'm the last Wyckoff group to ever go to Ramsey High School. Uh, you know, after my behavior, they decided no more Wyckoff people. Uh, so they built Ramapo and dedicated it to me. And don't believe that. But anyway, she lived across the street from Ramsey High School. I had broken into a house. The police had caught me. I wasn't stealing. I was just fooling around. But these police in Franklin Lakes had other ideas. So people were talking about me, and she put my name on her prayer list. She not only prayed I'd become a Christian, and I'm not exaggerating this. It's also in the book and the film. She prayed I would become a missionary. Wow, she didn't even discuss this with me. What about my fire extinguisher business? And then she sent me a Gospel of John. We hope all of you will pick up a few Gospels of John, maybe as a, a memorial to that wonderful lady, Mrs. Clapp, uh, who is in her roots and the impact on her life go back to Billy Sunday coming to Patterson, a man similar to Billy Graham but twice as wild during the Prohibition days. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He walked out of the meeting in rage. Uh, later, my grandmother, it's my, my mother's side, my father's, uh, came in from the Netherlands. So she sent me this gospel. I began to read this. around. I was an avid reader. Around the same time, I started into the world of pornography. And uh, then Billy Graham came to New York City. And a dairyman gave me a free I was in anything free. He gave me a free seat into Madison Square Garden. It's a chance to see the garden. Uh, and Billy Graham was preaching, and he just, uh, he just nailed me. Just God just zapped me, I, even though I sat as far away as I could. And he called people to come forward. Imagine, completely ridiculous. Come forward in front of 20,000? Well, and like repent? <laughs> it's like coming in from outer space. And I, somehow God just broke me. And he saved me that night. And that led to me evangelizing this whole area, reaching tens of thousands in New York City and then across the country, still selling fire extinguishers at the same time. Soon I found myself in Mexico, and without knowing it, uh, this movement was born, and we celebrate 60 years since three of us went to Mexico. Well, that's the testimony in a nutshell. And if you can share that testimony with others through the film or my book, I believe there will be results. We want results in our ministry. And I believe if we get... And one of my other books, which we don't have copies here, I'd be happy to send it to you out of the comfort zone. I have a whole chapter, How to Be a Mission Mobilizer. We need mission mobilizers just as much as we need missionaries. And one of the reasons is the money is 10 times harder than finding the people. There are 100,000 people trying to get in missions globally right now. We're talking the whole world. I was the vice chairman of the whole global network under the AD2000 movement now years ago. And when we did the research, we were stunned how many want to go into missions. But the problem is getting the support, finding the finance. 
And now with the complexity of the church situation in America, and the, you know, bad news travels quicker than good news. One guy's written a whole book of bad news about missionaries telling us to stop supporting missionaries, just send them money and support some national in India. You think they don't? We do both, actually. No matter what road you choose, there are problems. You want to write about the problems? Of course, uh, you can cause a lot of confusion. That's another subject I talk about in my new book that's in this packet. We need missionaries, but we need also to release funds. I met someone here yesterday. His passion uh, is to release funds. He's got a good job here, and I wanted to hug him because so few ever come to me and say, my passion is to release funds for global missions. I did have another email from someone else who was in the meeting uh, this morning. By the way, in my hometown of Wyckoff, Cornerstone Church, they canceled their meeting because of the ice. What a lack of discernment. But uh, <laughs> no doubt the ones planning to sit in the front row here didn't, didn't quite make it. We, we drove all the way in from Franklin Lake, so we didn't see any ice. We saw a little ice, but there wasn't on the road. Anyway, we're supposed to be looking at Isaiah 6. The way we're going, we're not going to be there till tomorrow. <laughs> in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two wings they covered their feet. With two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voice, the doorposts threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me. This is his response. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongue from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. This is one of the most historic missionary conference passages in all of history. Uh, maybe in your previous missions conference, you already had this verse. There's actually a contemporary song based on this. Even in Spanish. I speak Spanish. Uh, here am I. Send me. And we often use this to recruit people for the mission field. And God has used that. To me, it's a little stretch on the interpretation of a passage in the middle of the Old Testament, but somehow uh, Christians are gifted at misusing the Old Testament, and then somehow God, in his mercy, I call it messiology, uses it. God can use something that he's not even happy about. The living God experiences all the emotion all at the same time. And that's why... Uh, we, we, we can understand why God was blessing white people in our country who had slaves and sometimes mistreating them. Often they were not mistreated, by the way. How can we explain God so pouring out his spirit 
on white churches in South Africa that were strongly committed to apartheid. They were leading the apartheid movement. There's so many things that don't make sense in history if you don't embrace this more radical view of God and how he works. And I call it messiology. It's my own word based on my own proverb. Where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together, sooner or later, there's a mess. That's a bit negative, isn't it? And if I took a survey, most hands would go up. I'm tired of taking those surveys. But messiology is how God can work in the midst of it. That's not to excuse any sin or anything wrong. We're all committed to excellency. Most of us are wired that way. But God breaking in when things go wrong. Plan A fails. You're on plan B. We were the first group in mission history to recruit divorced people. I could write two or three books on how I've seen divorced people mightily used of God. Yes, in global missions. The first captain of our ship was a divorced man, like most, persecuted by the church, Pentecostal church up there in Norway. In fact, he said, I can't be captain of your ship. I'm, I'm divorced. I should show me a verse that divorced people can't be captains of ship. You know, give me a break. And not only was he the captain, he met his second wife on the ship, and they had a fantastic marriage, became the director of OM Norway, both of them seen lately dancing in heaven. So often we are putting people in boxes. We try to put God in a box, our little denominational box, but he will not function in boxes. Maybe you have had a lot of failure. I relate to people. The more failures they have, sort of the more I relate to them. That's why I minister in prisons. People, they're not on plan A, plan B, plan C. These are people on plan M. Some of them, three, four different wives, three or four different divorces. Some of them in prison four or five or six times. They're now on plan M. There's no hope. I say, praise God for a big alphabet. Get up and press on in the radical grace of the Lord Jesus. So I have a different view of this particular prayer and this particular passage. And it's that every believer should pray this prayer. This is uh, the point of what uh, I'm trying to say this morning together with many other things. Let's just look at it a little carefully. First of all, we have him experiencing worship. And that's what we've been experiencing here uh, during this service, worship. And I would encourage you to make sure worship is a part of your daily life, with or without the music. Though now, with what we can download into our phone, I'm still using cassettes, CDs, phonograph records, and downloads. And you wonder why I'm a confused old guy. But I just thank the Lord for music. And a lot of my worship, I combine with music. And I like to dance, generally privately, so I dance a lot and and worship the Lord. Some people call it aerobics. It's supposed to be good for your health. And my health is so good, it really irritates people, especially other people my age. But uh, may the Lord bless all of them. He uses people in all different uh, situations in connection with health. So I want you this morning to pray this prayer. Here am I, send me. But the first step, which we've already had, is to worship him. When we worship him, we, also, we often get a glimpse, I hope you have this morning, of his holiness, his greatness, his omnipresence. Look at those words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And I believe one of the reasons I got through the tough teenage years, a very lustful person, 32 different girls had blown my circuits before I was 17. I didn't sleep with them back in those days. But uh, I shared my story of the confusion even after I became a Christian leading a girl to Christ and then kissing her for 40 minutes or something. Not really in the follow-up books. And I don't know how, how I made it through those teenage years. Um, but I know one of the reasons I believed in the holiness of God. That is being a bit downplayed in our day. Because we are standing against legalism. Can we stand against legalism and embrace holiness? Yes, we can. And there's that balance of scripture. And some of the books we have on that table, including my own writings, are about this. When we experience his holiness and we grasp something of his greatness, of course, we repent. One of the greatest books on that table is called Calvary Road. It's about an arrogant English evangelist who became a good friend of mine. He went to Africa during the East African revival. He saw leaders in the church broken before their congregation, confessing even their sin. Revival broke out. Tens of thousands were swept into the kingdom there in East Africa. And when this man saw this brokenness, saw this humility, saw people having this kind of God experience, it broke him of his ego and changed his life. And he gave us that book, Calvary Road. He gave us We Would See Jesus a number of other books. We had the privilege of having him and many other men and women of God minister at our OM conferences, and we've received a great legacy from them. And one of the reasons I've written books, especially my newest one, and allowed this film is I'm getting ready for glory. I've always been ready, actually. I want to pass my legacy on to the next generation. I'd appreciate your help in being able to do that. And so we see this brokenness. We see this repentance In verse 5, woe is me. I'm ruined, a man of unclean lips. I especially relate to that because so many of problems in my life were linked with my tongue. I guess because I'm born in Patterson uh, that my mouth goes faster than my brain. I I don't know, maybe it's nothing to do with Patterson. But it certainly has given me a lot of difficulty. And I'm very sorry to say hurt my wife many times through my quick answers. And I just thank the Lord for forgiveness. So it's not hard for me to pray, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God revolutionized my tongue. I had a foul mouth at 12 years of age who was going to produce a booklet of swear words. And there was a guy on my street, I hated his guts. I went, he was in the opposite team. I went, uh, gang, just a young gang, and we weren't killing people, we were just beating them up. And uh, I remember I went down to his house, big white house, Van, Van Houten Avenue, New Jersey, S-H-I-T, black letters on the side of his house. So I not only had a foul mouth, I was uh, spreading it through my paintbrush. My dad really didn't appreciate my artwork. Uh, the girl across the street, of course, I thought she was my friend, squealed on me, and I had to go down and repaint the side of the house, which was not a pleasant childhood experience. Jesus Christ transformed my mouth and has now given me 62 years of praising him, 62 years of blessing people. And now we can do it also through not only the phone, and I made a few tens of thousands of phone calls over the years, but we can bless them through personal letters. My personal letter mark just went over 1 million, and that's not an exaggeration. 
That mainly before the day of email. I looked in my scent box the other day, 81,000 in the scent box. I guess I better learn how to delete them. God transformed my mouth and has enabled me to bless people and help people across the world. This is what our God can do, even with a loud mouth, difficult, lustaholic New Jersey kid who otherwise would probably be in one of our many prisons in this state and in New York State. Hallelujah. Repentance, brokenness, recommitment. And when we do that, look at the experience, which we, of course, have because of what Jesus did on the cross. This is just a little foreshadow of that. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. What a nugget of radical grace in the middle of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. How much more since Jesus paid it all. And I believe... When we have this experience with God, when we make a greater commitment of our lives, then we can hear God's voice. So many young people, and I'll have this at Wheaton for the next three days, trying to find God's will for their life. The first step is total radical commitment. How dare we think that we can get the privilege of God leading us when we are not committed to him? It's got to work both ways. And I believe many people are missing God's plan for their life. Praise God for plan A, B, C, D, and M. But as much as possible, especially when we're young, we want what's best. And I believe by God's grace, I got what was best because of the decisions I made as a teenager and launching in Mexico at 19 years of age. And I just believe with all my heart, we need more total commitment to Jesus. The verse... Uh, We looked at throughout the week from Acts 20, verse 24. And I think when we've got that reality, that commitment, that passion, we're better able to hear God's voice. And I believe some of you, you've heard the Lord's voice these three days. You've heard his call. That's a term that some people don't like anymore. I'm happy with it. God leads, God guides, God calls. The main thing isn't the vocabulary. The main thing is the reality of knowing that you're doing God's will. Are there not some that would consider some of these unreached places like Libya, (coughs) Tibet, one of the most unreached nations in all the world? These places have openings. I just had emails from Saudi Arabia this morning. The world is more open for mission work and evangelism than ever before, but not always in the same style. We often have to take our skills and get a job in some of these countries. Our USA director, Andrew Scott, who's actually from Belfast, Ireland, has written a whole book about it, and I'd be happy to send that to you. And so as we close, I want to ask you to pray this prayer, here am I, send me. Not that you're going to be a missionary. That may happen but that you're available. Surely that's for all who love the Lord Jesus, to be available. It may be with fear. It may be with questions. Great faith is not in the absence of doubts. All my life I battled different kinds of doubts. How do you live on this planet, study astronomy as I do, and not be overwhelmed with the mystery, the doubt? How did it all happen? Where is God in all this the Bible says God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Other people have other concepts of God. It's a faith walk. 
And faith is so beautiful. Embrace faith. Turn from doubt. Turn from unbelief. Embrace faith, including what God can do through you. How many of you have already prayed this prayer? You were at a missions conference or you read a book and God hit you and you prayed the prayer. Here am I. Send me. Come on. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Some of you you got short hands. I can't see. Okay. (laughs) God bless you. Would you just reaffirm that before the Lord? Lord, I'm still available. I prayed that prayer 30 years ago. I'm still available. Many who pray this prayer, the Lord just sends them across the street. This is not about geography. It's about reality. Lord, I'm available. I love you. Let's pray. Father, help us as I give this call for a decision to take this step of faith, even with fear and trembling, and to pray this prayer. Let's have a moment of silent prayer. If you'll pray this prayer, here am I, send me. I want you just to stand up. I'm not going to call you forward, but I do want to pray a prayer of consecration. A lot of work, a lot of prayer has gone into this conference. And this is decision time. And I believe God has spoken to many of you just to be more available and to be sure that you're in God's will and God's stream of guidance. And to pray this simple prayer of availability, of commitment. Here am I, send me. If you'll pray that prayer, I'd like you to stand up where you are right now. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's between you and God. I'm not going to ask you for your address. Of course, I answer every email that's ever sent to me. But this is between you and God. I want to just pray that God will lead you and guide you and enable you to bloom as his witness right where you are. How can we go wrong with such a step of faith? God bless you. Is there anyone else? Simple prayer. Here am I. Send me. But it's something you remember. C.S. Lewis said we have the tendency to think but not to act. We have the tendency to feel and not to act. If we keep thinking and feeling without acting, someday we'll be unable to act. And so this is a call, maybe very small, maybe big for some of you, to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I'm available. Here am I. Send me. God bless you. Is there anyone else that will make that decision? Thank you. God bless you. I wish I could talk for an hour with each one of you. Father, you see each person standing before you. You also know others who just want a little time to think about it. And that's fine. And we just praise you for these steps of faith being taken right now. I pray, especially according to Acts 4.31, that each one standing before you right now would be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit and be given the grace to go forward and speak your word with boldness here or across the sea in your timing, in your guidance. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Can everyone stand? I want to pray for everyone, and then we're going to sing. Lord, I just thank you for all who are gathered here, really from so many different countries. And I ask your blessing upon them. I pray especially for anyone that's not even really sure of their own salvation. They've never had this mind life-changing experience in a Billy Graham meeting or any other meeting. They're filled with doubt about their eternal relationship. I pray that salvation 
would come to their heart and their life this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.